Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Hey, let's timestamp this. This is in an evergreen one. I just forgot to say the date. The date is the 23rd day of September 2016. That's it. Um, I, I may have mentioned this before, and I'm, I'm still in the process of cataloging Every episode, um, there's about 500 hours of the Sully Baseball Daily podcast, and a few of them are pretty good. You know, you've, you know, 500. That's like you think about plate appearances. Let's go. Let's go look up. And if you have if you have 500 plate appearances, that's pretty much a full season. So I wonder how many of those 500 are any good. I mean, there there are some clunkers in there. There's some that I look listen back and like. Yeah, that wasn't my best one. That wasn't my best one. But you know what? I, I, I do my best to, to try to, to, to make them as good as I possibly can. And it's just a surreal experience you know, going through these and, and kind of reliving the last, uh, the last four years of my life day for day. Uh, I'll get, there's going to be a whole podcast when I'm finally done cataloging it. I'm, I'm getting eerily close, eerily close to finishing it. Um, I, games are still going on for Thursday, but there's one that is completed, and I think it's time to talk about that particular game. The game ended, it was a 10 nothing game that was shortened to uh, seven innings for various rules. What are you talking about, Sully? What, what, what game is shortened? Because it's 10 nothing. It was the qualifier, one of the qualifiers, for the World Baseball Classic. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning, one of the absolute biggest punching bags that your pal Sully had was the World Baseball Classic. I could not shut up in spring training of 2013 about how the World Baseball Classic is a joke. And one of the things that happens when you do this for four years every day and you go back and you review some of your previous ones and you catalog them, you see how your mindset can evolve and how things can change subtly. I didn't have a St. Paul moment. I wasn't like Saul of Tarsus riding to Damascus and being blinded by the light and suddenly converting. I'm still not exactly thrilled about the World Baseball Classic. I don't think it is what it wants to be. But what it could be is something interesting. And today's game that was played at the stadium in Coney Island, which is where the Brooklyn Cyclones play, showed an example of the potential, of what the potential of it could be. Now, I have talked about this before. This is not completely new ground for me. I've talked about how to make the World Baseball Classic work, and I stand by how that, and I'm going to review that a little bit today. But 
I've seen with this game between Brazil and Pakistan that was played in Brooklyn, of which Brazil won 10-0, the elements of what could work in the World Baseball Classic exist. The elements of what could potentially be there is open and available. Whether or not it will be what I want it to be depends on the adaptability of Major League Baseball. Now, here's what it will never be. And we all have to sit down and agree to this. We all have to sit down and acknowledge that it will never be the World Cup of baseball. It won't be. Take that out of your cranium right now. It will never be the tournament where all the best players in the world from all the different countries in the world will get together and play at a super high level of baseball and we'll see international teams from here, there, the other way. We get to see which country wins. That's never going to happen. Let me tell you what will happen sooner. I will be the starting point guard of the Golden State Warriors at the beginning of this season. That will happen, is more likely to happen, than to have it be a tournament where the best players in the world compete. This is the problem with a tournament like this, and as I said earlier, this is the problem with Olympic baseball. Olympic baseball will never catch on because it goes against the tenets of what we expect in the Olympics. The Olympics are, at least in theory, the best in the world of whatever the hell sport you're watching, which is why people will watch it. If you walk down, if you came over and someone said, hey, hey, you want to see me and my friend Glenn do curling or ski or ride a, a luge? No, I'm not going to see that. Hey, do you want to see these people? They're the best in Bridgeport, Connecticut. No, I have no interest. None. Zero. Hey, these are the best in the world. Okay. All right. You, you have my attention. If you know you're watching the best in the world do something, you'll watch them do anything. And when you know the best players in a sport that you are actually interested in are playing, well, then it becomes a bit more exciting. The best basketball players in the world do go to the Olympics. Now, for a while, it was a bit bullying that the American team just would beat the snot out of everybody. But you know what? The other teams are starting to show their own. And it becomes more and more exciting. You can't top the excitement of Olympic hockey because they suspend the NHL for a period of time during the Olympics and everyone goes to their respective teams. And you see the best players in the world playing. And, you know, and of course the World Cup is the best players in the world competing for a trophy that actually means something. I've covered this before. You're not going to get the best players in the world to go to the Summer Olympics. Do you know why? Because they're being paid by Major League Baseball. And you're not going to go get them to go full speed on a spring training tournament to win the World Baseball Classic. Because in the end, they want to win the World Series. 
And if I said before, the World Series is the tournament of the best players in the world. It exists, and they go full out. No one goes full out for the World Baseball Classic if you're a major leaguer. So the best players in the world won't go full out, which is why the original intention of the tournament will never come to fruition. No matter how much you want. The fact that there are things like, well, we got to do pitch counts on this, we got to do this, that, and the other, and teams don't want their players to go there, and, you know, you're kind of, quick, what were the big moments of the American team in the last World Baseball Classic? What was the last great World Baseball Classic moment? When you review this, the season, how often do you think, oh, man, remember that World Baseball Classic moment? No. As I said, I'm sure they're fun to go to, but in terms of the major league level, you're not going to get anyone going full speed ahead to win it. But we can see baseball grow in other ways. I've, I've gone through this before, but we're seeing that my initial instinct might very well be correct. Brazil and Pakistan. Not exactly hotbeds of baseball, at least in terms on the major league level. Brazil, finally, with with the with uh, it's Paulo Orlando, uh, had the first ever major leaguer play in a World Series, who was a native of Brazil. And maybe you're starting to see the popularity of that sport grow a little. Maybe you'll start to see more major leaguers coming out of the country in South America. Now, they kicked the tar out of Pakistan. It's interesting that Dante Bichette's son, who is a major league uh, prospect, was on the Brazilian team because his mother is Brazilian, which seems a little bit like, okay, yeah, I guess... You know, I'd rather have it be people from that country. But you saw there was nobody affiliated with a major league team playing on the Pakistan team. But there they came. They got exposure. They got to come to America. They got to play in Brooklyn. They got to be part, at least for a day, of this tournament. And if you do what I'm asking, borderline begging them to do, you can also see the true value of the tournament. The true value of the tournament is it becomes a scouting ground for international talent and seeing them play against each other at a relatively high level. When I was in England earlier this year, I met with Earl Dix of the British Baseball Federation. And there are leagues and teams, there are several teams in London, there are teams all over England. It's not a huge sport. He says it's usually in front of friends and family. But it has this following, a cult following. But it could grow if major leaguers start to come out of England. And hearing his enthusiasm for the potential of the British team in the World Baseball Classic is one of the things that has helped my opinion of the tournament evolve ever so slightly. I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of it, certainly as it's 
constituted. But being in a foreign country where the potential of a world baseball classic is so required is required to get attention you saw wait a minute there is a real value to this a long-term value for baseball to get markets that aren't uh, uh, yielding tremendous amount of talent is suddenly baseball becomes popular in the Middle East in parts of South America that it's not a hasn't got a toehold on European countries that don't exactly produce players, then you start to see baseball grow globally. You get to see them make more, you know, you get to see them make more money, you get to see the, the sport grow healthier, and you get to see the, the fortunes of the sport grow, and most importantly, at least for me, and at least for anyone who's a fan, you get to see the best product. The best product you get on the field is when you know every position is being played by the best potential option. I've made this point again. This is a point I've made before, but baseball's talent pool, when I hear people talk about the shallow talent pool in baseball that's diluted because of expansion, raise a middle finger to them. The time when baseball's talent pool was at its lowest was in its golden age. When baseball teams were filled with players, and this was the requirement, you had to be a white player living near a train station. That was the talent pool of the days of Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and George Sisler and Jimmy Fox and most of DiMaggio and most of Ted Williams' career. That's what it was. Who, what players are we getting? Are they white? Yeah. Are they in America? Yep. Are they near a train station? Yep. Well, welcome aboard. Think of the Cuban players, the Dominican players, the players in Mexico, the players in South America, the players in Japan, the players in Australia, the players in places where we now see players come from. They didn't suddenly grow there. They, they didn't suddenly pop up like cacti in their respective countries. Somewhere in Australia in 1915 was a phenomenal shortstop. Somewhere in the Dominican Republic of 1944, there was possibly one of the greatest players in baseball history. And we'll never know their name, because it wasn't part of the talent pool. The widest talent pool you can have will bring the best product possible. If we have every great player in the world playing Major League Baseball, then the quality of the product will be through the damn roof. Let me just explain it to you a little bit better. Hasn't baseball been better when you've included players from the Caribbean, players from Central America, players from South America? Hasn't it been better when we have had players like Mariano Rivera from Panama, like Miguel Cabrera, Vladimir Guerrero, Pedro Martinez, hasn't that made the quality of the game better? Hasn't the quality of the game been better by going into Asia? Whether it's Ichiro Suzuki or Hideki Matsui, 
or Tanaka or Daisuke Matsuzaka. Not everyone's a superstar, but maybe some of them have improved the quality of what we've seen. The Hideo Nomos and the Chen Ming Wangs of the world may not be Hall of Famers, but those two that I just mentioned right now had a couple of seasons where they got some Cy Young votes, a couple of seasons where they were pitching like aces or at least piling up tons of wins and pitching deep into the game. Hasn't that made the quality of the game better? I mean, when the Red Sox won in 2013... You had players from the Caribbean, you had players from South America, you had players, Xander Bogarts was from Curaçao, Koji Uehara and Junichi Tozawa were from Japan. You know, the Sox won in 07, they had not just Daisuke, but they also had Hideki Okajima. Hasn't that made the quality of the game better? It has. And wouldn't that mean the growing of the economic health of the game. Of course. If you have open up foreign money, if you open up foreign markets, open up foreign tabs, next thing you know, you have more money coming in, you have a healthier sport, and you would maybe you expand into a couple of cities and you'd be able to have the you know, you would be able to have the schedule where you're not playing it would be sixteen and sixteen and you're not playing an interleague game every single day. That sounds like a stretch to connect all that, but it's true. And the fact of the matter is this. The World Baseball Classic should not be the World Cup. It should not be baseball's answer to the Olympics, because it's not. It should be baseball's answer to Ellis Dam Island. To open up to the world. Give us your tired, huddled masses, provided they can hit a breaking ball. Open up the sport of baseball to the entire world, to a world where we're having a South American team and a team that exists on the, well, Pakistan is the Middle East, basically. That's where it's between the Middle East and India. But, you know, it's, it's, it's that region of the world that is so troubled, that is so, that is so feared by so many people in this country. We see fear about different people. And then we embrace those once they become the players playing on our team. You talk, think about people who fear uh, the Mexicans coming across the border and yet cheer for a team that has players from Mexico, from the Caribbean, and from South American countries. You think about how the idea of the Japanese at one point were the mortal enemies of the United States. And then when the Red Sox finally won their first World Series in Fenway Park. The first time they won it on their home turf. First time since the First World War and through the Second World War. It was a Japanese pitcher who nailed it in. Think of how many times that that has changed how we view a people, a race, a people from a nationality. And that's 
what baseball can do in a way that I think other sports may not be able to. You're not seeing a lot of hockey players come from the Caribbean. Do you know why? Their ponds don't freeze. You're not seeing lots of players playing football, American football, across the world. Do you know why? Well, because it's not part of their culture. And now when they start to learn about it, they say, oh, it'll turn my brains into scrambled eggs. I think I'll play soccer. And basketball, you do see some players coming from other countries, but it's not at the clip because it requires you to be a pituitary case. There is something that seems borderline democratic about baseball. You could be Randy Johnson and be six foot ten. You could be Jose Altuve and be what three foot two. You can be fat. You can be skinny. You should probably be in shape. But you don't look like a freak. You look like a normally built athlete pumping yourself up with steroids. And to come to our country and to play a game wearing the uniform that links you back to a previous century, unless you're a diamondback and you're wearing basically a clown outfit, that's what the World Baseball Classic should be. The entryway. Think about how arcane the draft is right now. I mean, now we're starting to include players from other countries in the draft, but it was always you know, American and Canadian teams, mainly American teams. And then if you come from uh, the Dominican or Venezuela or any other country there, you're basically a free agent. You're being plucked here and there. Now they're starting to address that and make it a first-year draft. It's not quite there yet. It's not quite there, but the fact of the matter is it's still operating from a mentality of, oh, well, if you're playing baseball, you're an American. And then you're looking around and you're saying, do you know what? That's not always the case. I want the best product that baseball can offer. And the World Baseball Classic can be the entry point, not the reward. Nobody dreams of winning the World Baseball Classic. It may be a nice thing that you win, but as I said in my previous podcast, you turn it, you have the tournament, and at the end you have a draft. You have a five-round draft, or however, maybe, maybe as many rounds as you want. I don't know the answer to that. But if you participate in it, you are eligible. Whether you are on the Korean team, the Japanese team, the Cuban team, the Brazilian team, the Pakistani team, or hey, Earl Dix, the British team as well. Scouts look at you, teams evaluate you, and say, do you know what? I know they got their ass kicked, but I'll be damned if the Pakistanis didn't have a really good player at second base, and I wonder if he could pick it. He's worth this draft pick. World Baseball Classic could be the entry point, could be the door that opens someone to the potential glory of playing in Yankee Stadium or Dodger Stadium or Fenway Park or Wrigley Field. But along the way, you have to play in Missoula, Montana, Winter Haven, Florida, 
and medicine hat, wherever the hell that is. But you build your way up. And that American dream of if you come in here with nothing and you prove you work hard and you prove your worth, you can make it. Whether or not the American dream is bullshit or not, and there's some people convinced it is and some people convinced that it is not, it can be illustrated in the greatest possible way ever in America with people who are not native of America but becoming assimilated to this great culture through the national pastime. So I looked at that 10 nothing game between Brazil and Pakistan and wonder, I wonder if we'll ever find out any of those names. Probably not. Probably not. But you never know. This is America after all. Go to MLB Reports to get the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Reddit, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, and everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 23rd day of September 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.